Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Hey, brothers and sisters in Christ, welcome to another podcast. I just want to share Psalm 18, verses 1 and 2. Before we get going, I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my Savior, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Father in heaven, thank you for being our secure shield, our security, really, our protection. You are our provider. You are our Savior. You are our healer. You are our Lord and our God. Thank you, Jesus, for overcoming the world. Thank you, Jesus, for giving us everything we need for life and for godliness. And thank you for the hope that we have in your return. And that's going to happen soon, Father. Wake up your people. Your true church, Father, wake us up, get us ready, prepare us for battle, and help us to be willing to pour out our lives in service to the King. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for your sacrifice for us. We thank you for uh, giving us every good gift that we know comes from you. And give us perspective, an eternal perspective. As we live in this world, we are not of this world And in fact, many of us hate this world, and we love you more than anything. Help us to live out that love one day at a time. Give us wisdom today as we approach this subject and and really dissect what's going on in a church that professes to be your church, Jesus. Forgive us of our sins. Forgive us of our apathy, our apostasy. Forgive us for those times where we've been way too complacent or apathetic, and stir up our hearts again. In Jesus' name, amen. So we have been putting together here at the ministry a list of recommended uh, doctors, medical providers, even local pharmacies. We've been getting a lot of calls, and we should have done this a year ago, but we have a small staff here. You wouldn't believe how small, and, and the work that we get done with a handful of people here. It's just absolutely astounding. It is God. It is God that does it. Um, and so we are trying to share these with, with you. If you are local in the Northeast Wisconsin or even in the state, even if you have a national um, medical resource that you go to, we have America's Frontline Doctors on here and uh, several others, but we are looking at local options in Green Bay, De Pere, Appleton, Oshkosh, Fox Cities, Milwaukee, whatever. Send us the information, please, as we're accumulating this list And uh, these are providers that offer options and pre-treatment for COVID. And I don't even need to say the words or the prescriptions. You know what they are. My wife and I call them subscriptions. Hey, did you renew your subscription? Um, Anyway, so please email comments at standupforthetruth.com so we can get people to the right doctors and medications when they need them. Now, Um, Did you hear about Joe Macron? Joe Macron, it's a Biden variant that has been unleashed um, (laughs) since the election of 2020. No, but I love this over at Brighteon. Biden variant has unleashed an economic plague upon the nation. Yesterday's payroll reports revealed that Joe Macron, uh, Biden, is 
a dangerous new variant who's unleashing an economic plague upon the nation. In January alone, 300,000 jobs were destroyed. It's getting worse. Truckers are prohibited from crossing the borders. COVID lockdowns continue to destroy the supply chain. And endless money printing is driving the price of inflation at the grocery store. And we're all feeling it. What about the gas pump? So Joe Macron is like a raging viral mutation that spreads across the nation, unleashing pestilence and suffering and isolation. We're going to talk about that a little bit on Monday, how we don't often look at that. We look at the lockdowns. We look at masks. We look at the outward things being forced to take a shot. But what about isolation? Has that been good, particularly for children? All right, you're not going to be surprised by what we discuss on Monday. Now, right now, uh, good news before we get to our guest, Pastor Randy White. He's got a brand new book out. Good news, believe it or not, from Texas. Planned Parenthood just handed a sanctuary city for the unborn a huge legal victory, one that's made history and gives us a taste of what a post-abortion America might look like. Come on, guys, don't give up this fight. Lubbock, Texas is the biggest sanctuary city in the country and the only city whose ordinance banning abortion within its limits forced an abortion clinic to stop killing babies. That's right. Lubbock passed its sanctuary city law last year. Planned Parenthood, which had recently reopened a clinic in West Texas, um, they resumed committing abortions, challenged the ordinance, which was passed by a supermajority, by the way. But after an appeals court sided with the city of Lubbock, the abortion giant has dropped its lawsuit. If we were a sound effect show, we would have cheering and applause bigger than a touchdown by your favorite NFL football team in a packed stadium. Because that's something to cheer about, friends, making the, making the first time since Roe v. Wade that abortion legalization has survived a legal challenge. Now, it's, it's a huge victory for life. The Supreme Court is not the infallible source of moral authority for the country. Roe was always a terrible decision, uh, not based on facts and truth and definitely not the biblical worldview, but cruelly erased the right to life for millions of Americans and prevented localities from being governed according to the conscience of their citizens. It, Roe v. Wade wiped out something like 35 state laws that had bans against abortion at that time, 1973. So, good news, friends. This is what's currently being considered by the high court in the Mississippi abortion case, which could ultimately weaken or even overturn Roe v. Wade. I'm not holding my breath, but I am hopeful. Lord willing, many more cities, counties, and states could soon successfully ban abortion as a result. This is from Elizabeth Johnston, the activist mommy. Make sure you go check out her website as well. Now, can't wait to get to this book today, a brand new one, hot off the presses. Actually, it's being shipped out Monday, and you can pre-order. Pastor and author Randy White. Randy White Ministries, Dispensational Publishing. He's the founder of John Nelson Darby Academy. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But today we discuss some recent headlines and his brand new book, Evangelical Garbage. The subtitle, How Evangelicalism is Confused, Manipulative, and Downright Dangerous. Pastor Randy, welcome back to Stand Up for the Truth. Thank you. And I, uh, first of all, before we even get into that, let me come in with my cheers and hallelujahs on that uh, Lubbock case that, you know, you've got uh, for, what, uh, 50 years now, the, I suppose, the worst and deadliest, definitely the deadliest decision that the Supreme Court ever made. Mm -hmm. 
and that it hasn't been turned uh, overturned uh, in these uh, 50 years is amazing. It may or may not be overturned this year with the Mississippi case. I pray it is, but mm. boy, let's keep on fighting because yes. uh, that uh, that that's that's the only way to protect the unborn and uh, have a sanctity of life in our in our country. There's there's potential to at least put it back to the states where it can be determined on a local basis. Uh, yes. I'm, I'm prayerful. Yes, at the very least. And I'm I'm just surprised. I don't want to spend too much time on this, Randy. But, I mean, 1973, they literally said in that court case, uh, they, in, in the transcript, do we really know when life begins? Um, so they really were asking those questions. And now, after how many years, uh, sonograms, ultrasound, the technology we have today, we know when a baby's heart starts beating. You, the, doctors have done surgery on preborn babies to save them or in uh, take care of heart defects in mother's wombs of the baby. And so we're, we're just just conf- talk about the church being confused. We're confused as a nation. But, um, Randy, um, it's it's such a good time to have you back on because— there are more people, I believe, waking up in Christianity, in Christendom, particularly in America. We have been lukewarm for way too long. We have fallen. We generally, not you and I, not the remnant who may be listening right now, but there has been too many people professing to be Christian that have fallen for the best life now theology, looking out for number one, prosperity, comfort, um, which leads to complacency, and and you just completely lose sight of the the Great Commission, you lose sight of our the battle we are fighting, the spiritual battle. Well, you also talk about teachings and things that have crept into the church, like Jude writes about, Contend for the Faith, in your book, um, Evangelical Garbage. In a minute, we're going to get to that, but before, I want to give you an opportunity to just talk a little bit about an update on John Nelson Darby Academy, please. Yeah, org. Uh, this is the uh, online academy that we have uh, brought forth to help parents who want to get their children a thorough and a biblical education uh, in all subjects, third through the 12th grade. We're working on uh, getting uh, first and second grade added, but uh, we've got third through 12th grade right now. And uh, this is fantastic for parents who really say, boy, I want to do homeschooling, but I, I'm i not uh, equipped or able or have the time to really uh, research the curriculum and develop the curriculum and uh, serve as the teacher and the grader, and uh, maybe the personality of my child needs uh, needs someone to uh, to say, sorry, you got an F on that one <laughs> instead of me. <laughs> and uh, uh, so it's org, uh, and uh, we're in our uh, goodness, I think our fifth year, fourth or fifth year, and um, students all across the country, and uh, we would we would love uh, to uh, have uh, people contact us about enrolling their their children uh, next fall, or even if there may be a few cases where they need to enroll immediately, and we'll be happy to do that. Praise God. And we do not require our students to wear masks. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we have a young man in our building that uh, is one of the students at. John Nelson Darby Academy. So, uh, and he's uh, a bright young man who's got a great future. Uh, he, he's he's a really good thinker, like so many of our students. Just good thinkers, good communicators. They're not just uh, 
swallowing some uh, some verbiage that's given to them and regurgitating it on the test. They really are thinking through these things and working with them. And, and it's, it's so fascinating to see these students uh, when they come from a classroom setting to an online setting. It's, a, it's, a, it's obviously very different. But boy, in just a matter of months, they start thinking on their own. And it's so wonderful to watch. So, uh, Pastor Randy, uh, your book, you've been working on it for a while and decided to come out with, uh, it's, it's very, the, I mean, the title itself is very provocative. Some would say offensive, having not read the book. They look at the title and go, wait a minute, you're attacking the church. What's garbage about the church? I just wanted to ask you about uh, why now and why that title. Evangelical garbage. Yeah, it is. It is an offensive title, evangelical garbage, <laughs> and uh, and uh, actually, uh, several people, uh, as I consulted uh, with some friends and uh, mentors and whatnot, they said, well, maybe you should soften that title a little bit. Uh, you know, uh, evangelical misunderstandings, or uh, uh, you know, uh, several several options that were given, and. You know, in the end, I said, no, it's evangelical garbage I'm writing about, because there is, and I think anyone who has traveled the evangelical road, as so many of us have, we recognize that uh, the, the evangelicalism as a movement, and most likely even our own local evangelical church, is nothing like it was a generation ago. Mm and that it really is filled now with a lot of garbage, garbage thinking, garbage theology, garbage doctrine, uh, and uh, certainly uh, garbage uh, uh, social wokeness and these things that have crept into the church, because we've been a little bit of a frog in the kettle, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, mm-hmm. now we've, we look and we're in boiling water here, and, and, and if nothing else, the statistics show this thing is dying on the vine, and mm, yes. if we're going to see strong local churches in every community in America, which we once had, then we better wake up and do something about it. We better take out some garbage, or we're going to end up just nothing but a trash heap. Well, two of the most common or popular emails we've received or phone calls over the last two years, one of them has been about uh, you know the, the vaccine, the, the forced government shot. But the other one has been, where can I find a good church, one of sound doctrine that is not ashamed of the gospel, that will preach the whole counsel of God, that has a good biblical foundation, that is not ashamed to talk about Bible prophecy, and will address cultural or global or social issues. That is one of the most common uh, requests we get, and we don't have those resources nationwide. We can give them ideas locally here. But uh, this has been a problem, Randy. So that's one, one another indication. I believe more people are waking up, and we'll get to that since COVID. More people are deciding to find another church. Um, I want to get to your book cover real quick. I, you and I have probably talked a lot about or written about worshiptainment, uh, worship services that entertain, and churches using worldly means to draw in the masses and and do something emotional or whatever. But it if, it, it looks pretty benign on the front cover. You've got in the background, of fate, like a cross, you've got hands lifted up in the air, and, and it looks like a young man. Uh, looks like he's praising Jesus. So I'm wondering what you're, um, what you're trying to portray with that cover. Well, the cover uh, with that, uh, it's fairly common, I, I would say, a fairly common worship scene among evangelicals. Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, 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 it pictures 
really kind of what you would see if you go into an evangelical church. Now, even that, I think uh, you and I would both admit, and I'm older than you, but you're <laughs> old enough to uh, remember back a few years, that uh, even that, that scene of, uh, shall we say, modern evangelical worship uh, is very different from, uh, say, the days we were in high school, where the scene probably would have been more of a, uh, of a pastor in a tie holding his Bible out. And uh, that that idea of the the centrality of the preaching of the word really has been kind of replaced with this uh, to 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 uh, uh, take this word that uh, you use and a lot of others have used this worshiptainment where that's the tail that wags the dog mm. and uh, and you know good bad or, or good bad or indifferent and how you look at, uh, say, the styles of the music and the style of the worship. Nonetheless, entertainment really has become almost part of the definition of evangelicalism. Mm. It's entertaining from the time, you know, you have a baby and you put them in the nursery and they go through the children's ministry and the youth ministry, so much entertainment that's built upon that. And then uh, in the adult ministry, it is, uh, you know, kind of select your style of worship, well, that that in and of itself sounds like entertainment, doesn't it? Yes, <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, you know, you've got the you got the country and western style, or you got the rock and roll style, or you got the uh, acoustic style. It's it's so entertainment based, and it that has come at the expense of the oh, I would say the verse by verse preaching of the word, which is not very entertaining. Sometimes, you know, it can get a little. Oh, shall we say dry when you're in the fortieth uh, week of going through the book of Job? Mm. <laughs> uh, but there it is that we really learn our stuff, learn our doctrine, learn our theology, and uh, grow the kind of uh, mental fortitude that it takes to have the spiritual fortitude to fight the battles that we've got today. We've got Pastor Randy White with us, and the new book is Evangelical Garbage. And I know it sounds uh, maybe harsh, you guys, but I know if, if you've been listening to this podcast for any length of time, we started out more along, along the lines of discernment uh, coming against the woke movement and social justice apostasy within the American church or churches and denominations and false teachings and, and this, these different theologies that just really are just not biblical. Um, Randy, first of all, uh, before we continue, again, what's the best link, or where can people order your book? Sure. Dispensationalpublishing.com is the best place, and then just click the shop button, and uh, you'll see it there, dispensationalpublishing.com. Okay, we will link to that in today's podcast notes at standupforthetruth.com. When you're listening to this podcast on our website, just scroll down to the bottom there. You'll see a big link. It should be in red or blue letters and it's got the book title in there, and you can click on that and go right to the order page. Um, we've only got two minutes left in this first segment, Pastor Randy, but let's clarify, what is an evangelical? Yeah, you know, evangelical, is, it's, a, it's a difficult one to put together because it, there's, it's not a denomination, and, and there's lots of different denominations within evangelicalism. Yes. It's uh, not an organization. There, even though there's a National Association of Evangelicals, most <laughs> evangelicals don't know anything about it. So it really is a movement. It is a movement of those who, at one point, were very solid on the fundamentals of the faith, uh, and they were very passionate about evangelism, about sharing the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ with men, women, boys, and girls at home and abroad, and uh, carrying that out. And, and you know, you, I suppose the 
the uh, poster child of all time for evangelicalism was Billy Graham. And so that is and was evangelical for the most part the 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 church down on the corner that's evangelicalism mm. and it is this such a broad based movement that we've come to joke a little bit and call it evangelical uh because there's a lot of jelly there and even trying to define it is like nailing jelly to a wall uh so uh so it's this it, it's this formally right-wing movement, when we used to talk about the Christian right or the religious right, for the most part, we were talking about evangelicalism. And yet, that that is what has lost its way in society today. And that's what drove society to many of the good places we were in, in the last generation or so. Yeah, well, I've also heard even, evangelifish. <laughs> You've heard that yes. one, too. All right, Pastor Randy White is with us. Great book. We're going to dive into it a little bit more when we come back. We'll talk about Chapter 1 and what he refers to as the unbelievable failure of the modern church. We're going to dissect this today, friends, and we are, we are open to your comments and uh, feedback. Comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. More with Pastor Randy White when we come back in just a minute. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. Uh, my article this week, Can We Trust the IRS? Now, to require facial recognition, I encourage you to check out that article at harbingersdaily.com. I provided some history going back 10, 15 years with IRS attacking those with Christian or conservative values, and now they want to use facial recognition um, technology. Uh, it's so that's, that's a true story, by the way. Also, I want to mention China. Um, nobody's really, I rarely hear anything mentioned about uh, the Chinese Communist Party hosting the 2022 Olympics. Uh, rem- remember to pray for those imprisoned, countless, countless, hundreds of thousands perhaps, imprisoned Christians, persecuted pastors, human rights abuses all over China, destroyed churches, and those who are suffering in that country, but just not, they don't make headlines. So please remember to pray for what really matters in China. I know you guys, if you're sports fans, you say, yeah, yeah, what do you mean the Olympics don't matter? Well, in terms of eternity, they don't. But also in the persecuted church, uh, what's on your heart, Christian? Uh, What matters? What what values? Um, So back to Pastor Randy White, evangelical garbage. We just talked about what is an evangelical, talked about the movement. Uh, I want to mention some um, headlines, some titles, I mean, not headlines, titles that we would like to talk about today with him. Um, chapter 4, uh, Void of Foundational Doctrine. Chapter 6, Wanting the Cash but Not the Baggage. Chapter 7, Walk That Aisle. We Need the Numbers. Chapter 10, Don't Touch God's Anointed. We Need Your Allegiance. Chapter 11, Danger. Evangelicalism is Not Preparing Your Children. Chapter 14, Change Your Values. Quit Buying Their Products. And Chapter 16, Change Your Church. It's time to walk away. Okay, Randy, let's get back to the very first chapter and open it up. I just want to quote you. I am a Christian. I love the local church. I am a conservative. I am afraid, very afraid. I already can't stand what the church has become. It is showy and shallow. It is fabricated and fake. It is proud with nothing but platitudes. It is virtue signaling and virtually inept at doctrinal consistency. And I could go on, but Please share. Uh, I think that's a very impactful way to draw people in and want to read more. 
And that really was my heart as I began writing the book that, you know, I, I, I have been in church from day one of my life, and I am not, I think I even mentioned this in the book, I'm not one who, you know, kind of gives that joke. And it's sort of funny, you know, that when I was young, I had a drug problem. My parents drug me to church. Uh, and, uh, and yet I never looked at at the fact that my family, we went to church every Sunday, usually twice on Sunday, went on Wednesday, and <laughs> oftentimes somewhere during the week for mm-hmm. for some special event. And I loved the church, and it was has been and is so much a part of my life. And yet when I look at what the church was and what the church is, it's not the same thing. And in that in that chapter one, I talk about how we were were warned so many, many, many times that in a single generation we could lose all this. Mm. And I analyze it a little bit, and I say, unfortunately, I think we might be the generation that lost it. Uh, you know, we had the warnings, but we didn't pass it on to our children, to our grandchildren. And the the strength of the church really is it's it's shriveled, it's dried up, it's impotent. There's nothing left of it. Uh, except a a little bit of a shell there, even though in just about every sizable town across America, you've got some, you know, kind of big showy evangelical uh, worshiptainment church that you might say, oh, look how strong we never had churches this size. But what they replaced is uh, is is a church in every neighborhood, literally a church for every you know hundred mm-hmm. homes or so. There was a, there was a strong church, a church that you know it had a full time pastor, it had a church secretary, it had a choir, it had uh, fully graded uh, Bible studies, it you know it had a full parking lot. It was a brick and mortar kind of church, a real thing. Uh, just just stringing uh, through uh, the neighborhoods of the town. And all those are gone now, or barely hanging on. Mm. And 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 furthermore, evangelicalism as a movement looks down upon all those little neighborhood churches that are struggling. And you know they must just uh, they, they're they're not healthy churches. They're sick churches. This is why they're dying. And uh, and the new model has become this sort of regional powerhouse of a church. Which, uh, when you get into those churches, you find this is where so much of the confusion is embedded. Yes, confused about a lot of different issues. And one uh, that I think of right off the bat, I've seen some churches uh, have a rainbow flag outside their door because they want to be welcoming. They want to be relevant. That takes me to another question, Pastor Randy, in chapter one. You write about the church today is busting a vein trying to be relevant and authentic and community. One of those words that has been redefined that I can't stand anymore because of that is relevant. Share your thoughts on that, please. Yeah, in 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 busting this vein to try to be relevant and authentic and community, these words that are so uh, uh, exciting for evangelicals, they actually got rid of the thing that made the church relevant. And and that's why we're so sick of, you and I are so sick of hearing that from the church today. You know, we want to be relevant when we say, wait a minute, the relevance of the church is to be different. The relevance of the church is to speak forth the Word of God to the society, is to have this, uh, as we sometimes would call it, a prophetic voice, not speaking a prophecy in the future, but uh, just speaking out the Word of God for that society today. And, 
you know, when you're going to put a rainbow flag and you're going to be welcoming and affirming and you're or, or you're just not going to speak to any of that, you've really lost your relevance. Hmm. You are you're no more relevant than the Rotary Club or the Lions Club or, exactly. or you know, a, a, a community service organization. And that's 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 your only relevance. Well, those those organizations are a dime a dozen. You know, we've got the Peace Corps and all those kind of things that can can do that. The church, to have relevance, has to be this peculiar people, this very distinct Mm. kind of uh, uh, different place in society. If I can go back to an old word, the church has to be a sanctuary from the world. And it it got rid of that, literally got rid of the sanctuary, uh, but but, uh, got rid of its, uh, its sanctuary status, if you will, for being different. And in its difference is its relevance. And now, you know, in trying to be relevant, it lost its relevance. Mm, amen. Hey, I forgot to ask you, uh, the foreword was written by Jim Fletcher. We've had him on the podcast several times. We love his work, his stance for Israel, his heart uh, for uh, just what's happening over there and the, the history, the true history. Uh, share your connection with Jim Fletcher. Yeah, you know, Jim Jim and I— uh, we met because, uh, like like so many today, we met uh, just uh, you know online acquaintances at first uh, because I was uh, pro Israel and he was pro Israel and uh, and I began to notice, hey, he's got the same ideas about Israel as I've got about Israel, and in addition to that, I kept seeing him saying stuff really about evangelicalism, not using the same words that I am, but uh, in fact, uh, I don't know, two or three years ago now, I had him out to our church and we did a we did a conference. It was called the. Uh, the, the sixth state of the church today or something like that, and we talked about sickness within the church, and he uh, was one who led in that conference because he he really does understand we've got a sick church today, and it's time to, uh, uh, to, to, to call the doctor. Yes, it is. Um, uh, next question, Pastor Randy. Um, in the book, by the way, dispensationalpublishing.com, that's where you can get it. You can order it, pre-order it. It will ship February 7th, which is Monday. And I've got a link at standardforthetruth.com. It will go in today's podcast post, the blog. Um, prior to the abandonment of biblical values generally, I mean, we see the, the American um, citizen now has between a 6 and a 10% biblical worldview. So that has crept into the church, obviously. But what was the strength of the evangelical movement how powerful was it in its early years? You know, I think that as when you get, let's say, the 1950s and the 60s is where things begin to go south, but, uh, but the, the, the revolution started in the 60s, but mm-hmm. really didn't come to full fruition until the, the late 80s or into the 90s or even this century. But uh, if you get, let's, let's take the 1950s, for example. I don't think you could overstate the strength of evangelicalism in American society. I think that uh, the local school checked with the evangelical community before they put a book in the library, before they put a, uh, an event on the schedule, uh, and uh, the, the, the local school boards, the local um, um, uh, city councils, uh, town councils, all these kind of uh, government, government from, from the top level where you had uh, you know Billy Graham meeting with Eisenhower and all the other presidents – all the way down, literally almost to the dog catcher, they were looking to evangelicalism to say, what, is, what do we have permission to do? What is okay to do? Which way can we go? And 
it was just, again, you can't overstate the amount of influence that they had, that from counselors to the presidents uh, with Billy Graham to really, you could argue, selecting the presidents with Jerry Falwell, uh, you had uh, an unbelievable strength in this very loosely unorganized, I guess you would say, movement called evangelicalism, because there was a consistency across the board of if you went into an evangelical church, they were going to open up the Bible, they were going to teach, thus saith the Lord. The, uh, the, the students that grew up in an evangelical home were going to have Judeo-Christian values, they were going to pass those values on to the next generation, and uh, this is what, what uh, honestly held so many of the... Um, the things that are important to us as believers held it into our society for all those years. Now, again, it began to crumble in the 60s. For most evangelical churches, it was the 80s before we really noticed there was a huge crack in the foundation. And by the the turn of the century, uh, it it was, uh, you know, the windows were falling out of the building, unfortunately. <laughs> I like the way you put that. So I really want to go back and read um, the description. I have uh, several of them here, but one of them that we put in the, uh, uh, we will put in the blog today, it says the reviews are in. The average folk of evangelicalism will agree with this book. The leaders and vision casters and dream makers of evangelicalism will hate it. This book will make you mad at times, sad at other times, and hopefully give voice to your concerns. And I think, Pastor Randy, that's the heart of this audience on Stand Up for the Truth. The author has often written and spoken about the dangers of evangelicalism, its cousin, ecumenicalism, and its parent, the church growth movement. We could do a whole podcast on just that one sentence. It says it's a hard-hitting book. He spells out the confusion of the evangelical movement. And even more, he points out the manipulative manner of the movement and the danger it possesses to your family, your church, and your community. If you are comfortable with things as they now stand in local churches, skip this book. I love that, Randy. It's truthful. It's provocative. I love it. It's, it's hard-hitting. It gives people an ultimatum. Say, hey, if, if you like the way things are going with the church and the, the doctrine and the morality and, and the the church and culture in America, hey, you don't need to read this. But I, So I really love that part of the description. Would you like to elaborate on any of that that was written in there? Well, I, I will say that this is a book that I suspect very few people will agree with everything I've written in the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the good news is it's $14.95, and you can't have lunch for two at McDonald's for 15 bucks. So, uh, <laughs> you, you know, you're not out uh, all that much to, to get— uh, to, to, to spit out the bones if you disagree with me on something, because anytime you write about something like this, it's a little bit of, uh, there's a little bit of man's opinion, and it happens yes. to be this man's opinion yep. uh, in it. But I just think that it's going to, uh, to, to help, again, the man in the pew. That's the one that's really going, that, this, it's, it's the, I don't even, I don't like the term laity, but I'm going to use it. But it's the, it's, the, it's the laity that sees the problem. Yes. It's the officials that don't see the problem. It's these, uh, you know, as I, uh, uh, you said the words there, I can't remember exactly how I wrote it, but the, the dream makers, the vision casters, all these uh, just ridiculous titles that they're using now in what, what they mean is the pastor. Uh, and these are the ones that aren't going to like it, and the seminary professors aren't going to like it, because these are the ones that 
you know, they're the fat cats of it. They're getting rich off of it, or this is their this is their future. It's too threatening for them to to say, hey, Houston, we've got a problem. We've mm. got to do something here. But the, the the guy in the pew, he 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 or she already knows this is the problem. And yes. I think page after page, uh, the the reader is going to say, "Yeah, that's it, that's it, that's it." May or may 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 disagree with my, uh, you know, some conclusion or some something along the way. Mm-hmm. Feel free to disagree with yes. it. Yes, uh, and and yet I think the the book really is going to give voice to the 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 person in the pew. Amen. Hey, we've got less than three minutes left in this segment. Let's introduce. Uh, just this chapter four, the title, uh, I just want to find out what that's about, and uh, just if you can give us some highlights on that chapter, and we'll take a break in a few minutes. It's Void of Foundational Doctrine. That's so important. Share your uh, whatever you'd yeah, like to the, from that. In the first part of the book, I talk about the confusion within evangelicalism, mm-hmm. and in chapter four, I talk about doctrinal confusion. And uh, the chapter... Uh, mentions uh, some of the areas especially in which uh, evangelicalism really has a, a, a challenge within itself in not understanding, uh, not, not, not coming to some conclusions of evangelicalism. You know, in evangelicalism, you can, you can be an amillennial or a premillennial or a postmillennial, and yet they say, we've got a biblical worldview. Well, you know, the end of the world is kind of a lot of to do with worldview, but they can't and won't come to a conclusion on uh, on these things. Even even the the movement today to <clears throat> to void evangelical churches of any denominationalism, mm-hmm. uh, denominations at one point really told what kind of doctrine you held. Well. Now, and, and uh, in that chapter, I write about the lack of a sign is a sure sign. <laughs> if, <laughs> if, if they, you know, they don't, you can't tell what it is out there. Uh, you know, is this uh, is this a, a restaurant? Is it a bar? Is it a dance hall? Is it a church? I don't know. It just says, you know, Journey or something out there. It's a travel agency. I don't know. <laughs> uh, and that that failure to have any kind of doctrinal hmm. standards. They don't want those doctrinal standards, and many times you'll ask the evangelical pastor, you know, what's your position on uh, soteriology, say Calvinism, Arminianism, and the other uh, options, and they'll just say, we don't take a position on that, we don't want to offend anyone. Well, you you got to have some doctrinal foundation, or you're you're adrift, and that's my fear with evangelicalism, is it doesn't even want a doctrinal foundation, it's void of foundational doctrine. We've got Pastor Randy White with us. The book is called Evangelical Garbage. It ships out on Monday. When we come back, we're going to ask him why evangelicalism is not preparing your children. Also, is it time to change your church and walk away? And we'll ask what this means. They want the cash, but not the baggage. More with Pastor Randy White on Stand Up For The Truth in just a minute. Keep it right here. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. You can get a signed copy of Pastor Randy's new book, Evangelical Garbage, by going to DispensationalPublishing.com. It will be available on Amazon early next week, and also the ebook. and uh, so you can be looking for that, but uh, you can 
Support Pastor Randy by going to dispensationalpublishing.com. Would you like to add anything to that, Randy? No. If you order dispensationalpublishing.com, you're supporting a good, solid Christian ministry instead of Amazon. So <laughs> come our way. I know. I know. Um, let's go to uh, that chapter that I wanted to ask you about. Um, I have an idea. I haven't been able to read the whole book, obviously, because it just uh, came out. But wanting the cash but not the baggage. What's that about? Yeah, evangelicalism uh, wants and needs money, of course, and uh, the as as probably has always been true true uh, uh, down through uh, the last number of generations. Anyway, it's the older people that have more expendable cash, and they want that cash and need that cash to keep these big buildings and the big staff and all their vision casting to keep all that going, and yet they want the old people to give the money without um, without giving any opinion. They want you to write the check and then go to the chapel service at six in the morning to sing your hymn and uh, get a get get your sermon out there. You know they 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 put the uh, the establishment, if you will, uh, of evangelicalism. The former the older people they just. They put them out to pasture, but they still want you to give the money. And there's some manipulation that uh, goes on there and some manipulation even with the younger people that have uh, expendable cash and they're uh, giving and they're faithful in uh, giving to uh, to their local church. But you, you start speaking up and giving your opinion about something, they will put you out real quick. But they don't want to. They don't want to lose your money, so they're very careful there. And uh, that 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 particular chapter is especially pertinent to those of us who are, you know, beginning to be grandparents and uh, have have some memory of the recent past and uh, some opinions about the way church ought to be. Mm. Uh, Pastor Randy, I do want to go back, and uh, I highlighted a quote. Uh, so people don't know that we're jumping around in the book, but it, you say. Uh, this book is a challenge, a call to change directions, and it is aimed at you, the individual. I don't think I'll change the mind of denominations, the executives, the lead pastors, or seminary presidents who may be most to blame, but I do think I may be able to convince you, the God-loving, Bible-reading, friendly neighborhood believer. I love that quote, and why is it so hard to get um, an audience sometimes with those in charge, the executives, the pastors, the CEOs, the the uh, leaders of denominations. It's hard to talk to them or have share concerns with them because they are almost unaccessible. Uh, would you like to share a little bit more about that? Yeah, it, it is so hard, and I can tell you that that I have tried and mm. uh, literally pulled my hair out, uh, and uh, <laughs> uh, I have none left, and. To to try to to let an evangelical pastor, even let alone some uh, evangelical leader of some sort, uh, whether it's denominational or just uh, movement wide, to try to even alert them to the problem and see the problem, they I don't know if they don't get it or they're so allergic to uh, to to change or so afraid of change that they're not even going to listen, but you basically can't even get beyond the hello. Mm -hmm. As soon as you start bringing this up, you are cut off. And and part of that is the training. This is why I put so much at uh, the feet of the seminaries, which I think have done a, an unbelievably horrible job yes. and a travesty to the churches in preparing pastors. Yes. And I've got a full chapter on that. But 
you know, the pastors get out, and they're, you know, I was too, to, for many years, you, you become a parrot. This is what I learned in seminary. This is what they tell me. This is, uh, uh, you know, the Bible verse they used, and you just repeat it. And unfortunately, pastors haven't learned to think uh, and to question the assumptions, and, and it, you know, good luck trying mm-hmm. to even get an appointment with a pastor in some of the larger evangelical churches, let alone convince them there really is a better way to do this. We need to, we've, we're, we're going down a dangerous path. So this kind of sounds like uh, part of what you touch on in chapter 10, don't touch God's anointed, we need your allegiance. Yeah, you know, and that's a that's a passage that's used often, and and let me say it's misused. Yes, because the Bible really does not teach that you cannot uh, go up against and argue against, and even I'll say battle against. Uh, use it figuratively, obviously. Some agenda of your local pastor and the direction that he wants to uh, take the church, but this is where they'll they'll. Uh, guilt you, if I can put it this way, manipulate you through this guilt, is to say, no, you you are under the authority, the spiritual authority of this pastor or this board, uh, and uh, you have to care that, you know, I was a Southern Baptist for many years, and what they would tell the Southern Baptist is, trust the trustees, just trust the trustees, you know, <laughs> and uh, I, um, I, I, didn't, I never trusted them from the first, but, uh, uh, <clears throat> but there is this... Uh, this, you know, don't even go there. There's a system that does the the decision making, and you just have to abide by that decision. And that, uh, I, I, certainly, it's not the American way, but let me say, it's not the biblical way. Mm. Uh, when you look at the local church in in the pages of uh, the New Testament through Pauline scriptures and whatnot, you you simply don't see this kind of uh, anointed clergy that gives a word that you know came from heaven and you can't speak up against it and it's a misuse of scripture even to bring that up uh, in the in the manner that is that it is brought up so um the seminaries you're really hard on the seminaries we've talked about it here on this podcast we know a, a fall away from scriptural inerrancy and, and other issues through the decades have really kind of made them ineffective or at least I don't know what kind of disciples they're producing or training at the seminaries. Your, your thought, a few more thoughts on the seminaries, Pastor Randy, because like you said, a lot of young people come out of there thinking that church growth is the number one goal. They, they do, and my thoughts on the seminary is it is a such a systemic problem that probably most of them can't be saved. Mm. Uh, they, it, it's a problem, I think, even in, in the accreditation process, and churches looking for a pastor need to give up this idea that we've got to have a pastor who has a degree from an accredited seminary. You're probably inviting poison into your church when you do that. Mm. And it's in the very classes that are required from the accreditation process and the teaching that is required from the accreditation process. And the seminaries are not, and you know, those in the pew should not be confused thinking that the seminary is where a young man goes and learns how to exegete the Word of God in order to uh, 
uh, to uh, teach the Word of God to the people for generations. He barely learns any of that. He learns the denominational playbook or the movement playbook and uh, how to uh, manipulate the people in order to get that. Now, obviously, they don't use those words, but, but uh, you know, I've got a doctorate uh, from a big-box seminary and a master's degree from a big-box seminary and a, uh, a college degree from a, a small local Baptist college. Uh, and, and I can tell you, they're, they're not putting forth men who are preachers. And let me just say also, they're, they're scarcely putting forth any preachers, even, even, uh, uh, even, even poorly educated ones. They just, mm. you know, their, their student-based population now is uh, counselors, family ministry, uh, missiology, very few pre- preachers coming out. There's a huge lack of preacher crisis mm. looming. Yes, we see that, and I think we're even living with some of the consequences of what's been going on in the seminaries uh, for well over 50 years. Um, Just uh, six minutes left, and boy, I'd love to get at least thoughts on two different chapters in, but let's just go to chapter 16, and then maybe we'll come back to chapter 11, how evangelicalism is not preparing your children. But a lot of people have a difficult decision to make about changing their church. Pastor Randy White, when is it time to walk away? Yeah, you know, if if your church has a pastor who's, who, who recognizes the problem, maybe you can stay. If, if the pastor recognizes the problem, there's some hope. Mm. Uh, if he doesn't recognize the problem and, uh, and, and is old enough to recognize the problem, now if you've got a very young pastor and he's teachable, then hey, you know maybe you maybe you can uh, work with him and uh, help him and you know buy buy him a lunch lunch a lot and uh, he likes to eat and and uh, he'll talk to you. Uh, but if you've got you know the more standard picture is a pastor that uh, really has so bought into the system that you're not going to get anywhere, and you look around the pews and you say, hey, all these other people. They're going right along with it, too, and I've been shouting, but nothing's changing. Hmm. You know, I doubt it's going to change, and and the only hope, honestly, this is tough medicine, but the only hope is you got to move out. They've, there's got to be a cost to it, and they've got to begin to see what we're doing is not working. We're We're killing ourselves, and so I think for many, many people— it really is time to take that tough decision and say, I've got to find a church that's more biblical and, uh, and, and begin that. And unfortunately, leaving your unbiblical church is going to be uh, easier than finding the next one. Mm, and that's true. A lot of people do it for different reasons. A lot of people stay and hang on too long for different reasons. Their children in an entertaining kids program or youth group is often part of that reason, and I know a lot of people can relate to that. But quickly, uh, how do you advise concerned believers, whether it's about doctrine or social justice or wokeness or whatever, how do you advise people to approach their pastors or church yeah, leaders? Yeah, I, I think that uh, if you're leaving the church, you you owe it to your pastor, you owe it to yourself, yes. you owe it to the others to 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 go to the pastor and tell them this is why I'm leaving. Mm. And uh, now it's the hard. one exception I would give is there if if you're in a church that the pastor doesn't even know who you are. I I personally would never join a church if I couldn't meet the pastor. Uh, but if you're in one of those, well, good luck. I guess write a letter. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but you know if if there's any way at all you can meet with the pastor, 
tell him exactly why you're leaving. You don't have to have an argument. You don't have to change his mind, but you need to tell him, you know, here's the three or four or five reasons that I'm leaving. And then I think even the closest people in the church, your friends in the church, you need to tell them the same thing. And be careful you tell them the same thing you told the pastor and and not uh, make it a a, a pastor roast uh, when you're with your friends and you were kind of nice guy with the pastor. Just, just the same message to both groups. Let people know why you're leaving uh, so that, again, they don't think you just got uh, uh, gallstones and, and were out. Yes. Uh, but they know there's really some theological conviction to why you left. Right. Today, if you leave and don't tell anybody, they're, they're going to think, right, did they, did they get COVID? You know, whatever. But, you know, seriously, it's important because it shows that you care about the people that are staying at that church that may not be as discerning about doctrine, or maybe they're new Christians or younger Christians that are staying there because it is entertaining or whatever. It's it's conforming to culture, and they think, "Wow, this is the new, this is kind of a fun church." But church isn't meant to be fun. It is not meant to be uh, just what the modern church has created this image of, like you say, evangelicalism. And as you point out, it, it is dangerous uh, when we're not even recognizing how the early church they, they were promised persecution and pain and trials, and Jesus said, deny yourself. That's a tough message in many of today's churches. Wrap it up, Pastor Randy. It is, and unfortunately, I think that uh, it's time for those of us who see it to pull out. If we have to start a new church, if we have to uh, do a home church, if we have to go to a little church that is, you know, barely uh, uh, has terrible music, but uh, <laughs> but you know, they're solid in the Word of God. Yes, it's time to make the change. Thank you for saying that. We put too much interest or emphasis on the presentation, the package, the are they online, Are they? do they have a great worship team, or are the songs always good? You know what, guys, we got to get back to what the true church is, and are we equipping the saints? Uh, Pastor Randy White, Evangelical Garbage, signed copy. If you go to dispensationalpublishing.com, we will have that link in today's podcast notes. It'll be on Amazon next week. God bless you, brother. We will continue this conversation uh, in the very near future. Thanks for your time today. Thank you and uh, your audience. God bless. Yeah, thanks, Randy. All right, guys, uh, we are so blessed by the numbers recently. I don't want to focus on numbers per se, but uh, they are really, really good. You've been sharing the podcast because we can't. So thank you for that. Next week, Dr. Patrick Flynn from The Wellness Way opens up on Monday Pastor Tim Stevens from Canada, who's been arrested three times. He's going to be with us on Tuesday. What's going on up north? Uh, Daniel Weiss and Josh um, Glaser about pornography on Wednesday. Julian Appling on Thursday, Wisconsin Family Council. John Leffler, Steel on Steel Radio, Friday. God bless you. Have a great weekend. And as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter.